Church, Charlotte. Lord, today we have lots of reasons to celebrate, lots of reasons to exalt the Lord together, and I am honored to do it with you on this rainy day. I'm always a little always a little irritated when it rains on Sunday because I want as many people as possible to be a part of the day. And I always think to myself, oh, they're going to sleep in today. That's probably confession on my part because I wish that I could sleep in. I don't know, but uh, maybe, maybe I'm the one who needs to be renewed. But all of you came in the house of the Lord and I don't know... Uh, Well, let me say this. If nothing else, um, the world needs rain, and we need Holy Ghost rain in our lives and in our hearts. Amen. Today, there's two celebrations that make this a very full Sunday. Uh, First of all is Memorial Day weekend, and just for clarity's sake, Memorial Day is different than Veterans Day. Veterans Day is when we honor and remember everyone who has served, and Memorial Day is when we honor those who gave the ultimate sacrifice. They gave their life, and I have a, I have a, a great uncle who is in the ruins of the USS Arizona who died on Pearl Harbor, and his name is Floyd Crow, and he is... Uh, what what remnants of his physical body are left are in turn there in that wreckage of the USS Arizona. And we are reminded of how some people uh, give all, and we are thankful. Uh, if you know people, if you have family members, don't let the weekend pass without remembering them and saying their name. Say their name. They need to live on. We're enjoying the benefits of their sacrifice, so they need to live on. Uh, Also, this is Pentecost Sunday, which is a unique day of celebration that commemorates both the giving of the Holy Spirit, but also the beginning of the New Testament church. How many of you want to be a part of the New Testament church? That's right. I want to be a part of the New Testament church. Lord Jesus, we want to be a part of the New Testament church. We don't want to just have a form, uh, a type of Christianity. We want to be the very tabernacles of your presence, and we want to host your presence to be a part of the great church that you made possible by your sacrifice. Let it happen right here at First Church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, I spoke last week about the symbols of the Holy Spirit, and this week I'm speaking about the signs of the Holy Spirit. Let me start by making sure we all understand the difference between the symbols and the signs. Uh, The easiest way for me to remember uh, is to think symbols is... God in some way wanting to give me an education. A symbol is instructive. It is God wanting to give me an education. A sign is God wanting to give me a testimony. I I thought someone was going to run the aisles when I said that, but uh, uh, I, I guess we haven't got to that point yet. A symbol is God giving me an education, but a sign is God giving me a testimony. Here's the reality. We need both in our lives. Somebody say, we need both. 
We need to know and we need to demonstrate. We need to know and we need to demonstrate. However strong your individual faith is, unless there is a sign of that faith in your life, your world can remain ignorant of your testimony. No matter how much you come to church, no matter how faithful you are, there needs to be a translation. There needs to be something to bridge the gap between what, is God, what God has done for you and in you to what your world needs to see that God has done for you or in you. Power is not enough. Power is not enough. Have you ever seen an engine that revs on an engine stand? It makes powerful noises. It has fire shoot out of the headers, but there's a problem. You can't do anything with it. Why? You need a transmission of some sort to be attached to that engine so you can do something with the power that you have. We need the ability to transfer what God has done in us to the world around us. Let me say it again. We need an ability to transfer what God has done in us to the world around us. And so I want to remind you uh, of things most of you know uh, when we talk about the Holy Spirit or if you want to be a little bit more King James in your style, you can call it the Holy Ghost. Uh, we understand exactly what we mean by that. Sometimes outsiders are a little bit off put by that word, but I want to reassure you it's just a manner of speaking uh, and the manner of the speech is less important than the truth that the manner of speech is trying to convey. If I spoke French, I could preach the message in French. The manner of speaking would not be what was important. It would be the message that was conveyed. And so I want to uh, basically start by making this confession to all of you, speaking for all of you, and speaking for myself. We want to be people of Holy Ghost and power. We want to be people of demonstration and authority. We do not claim to know all the ways of God as long as God is willing to work however he would through us and in us. Lord, let the power of the Holy Spirit be manifest in us and through us. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, starting at verse number 2. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. Some people don't show up when they feel weak. They don't show up when they feel afraid. They don't show up when they are trembling. Paul's not that kind of person. Paul shows up even in weakness, even in trembling, even in fear. He still shows up. God, give us those kind of Christians. And in my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration. Someone say demonstration. Demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Let me say it again. We crave spirit-led living. We crave spirit-led services. We crave spirit-led understanding. We crave spirit-led unction of the spirit among us. Lord Jesus, we can't do what you've called us to do. But if your Holy Spirit would work through us, then nothing is too hard for God. And so fill us with your power and your spirit today. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. 
I would say one of the biggest practical challenges. There are, there are many challenges of serving God and knowing God because it's not natural for our heart of flesh to be subject to the things of God. And so there is a continual process of renewal that has to happen. Somebody say every day. There's a renewal that has to happen every day. There's a transfer of who I tend to be to uh, who God said I should be. It needs to happen every day. And so there's lots of challenges, but let's be practical and let's talk about a practical challenge, and that is to live a real Holy Spirit-led life in a practical sense, not just a theoretical sense. It's quite easy to strive for something theoretically. It's as long as it's in theory, it works. It's like the difference. Uh, I've done a lot of construction in my life, and there's a difference between the office and the field. Everything works in the office, but in the field, you have real problems. <laughs> and so in the office, do this, but uh, you get in the real thick of things, and you find out. Uh, or in terms of battle, everything works in the plan, but there is a principle of warfare that goes like this. No plan survives first contact with the enemy. It's in the practice of things that we are challenged. So uh, I begin to look at some of the things that had been said, taught, and preached about the Holy Spirit. And uh, one of the statements I came across is in the works of Jonathan Edwards, the great Puritan preacher. He said, the Holy Spirit is the sum of all of the blessings that Christ sought by what he did and suffered in the work of redemption. Let me put it in modern terminology. God wants things for you. He desires things for you. He wants you to live a certain kind of victorious life, and he's paid the price for you to do it. Just as a parent desires things for their children, you can't always give it to them, but you desire it for them. Can all the parents say amen? You desire things for them. You can do some of it in terms of preparation, but one of the tragedies and the great pains of parenting is when your, parent, your children cannot receive something you want for them. Uh, that's oftentimes a lesson of maturity because your children have different gifts than you. They have different personality abilities than you. And they have different interests for you. And although you can desire for them, you usually cannot live vicariously through them. You have to prepare them and then step back and trust God to bring them into the fruition of their gifts and abilities. Um, God wants things for you. As a good father, he wants things for you. And he has paid the price to remove the spiritual barriers, and he's left you with the choice of uh, carnal barriers. He has removed the spiritual barrier that says no, and now all you have to do is choose in the arena of your will. I'm going to live a life of faith. I'm going to trust him. And if you can choose in the arena of things you control, he has already won the victory for you in the arena of the spirit. God wants things for you. Uh, the spirit illuminates. The Holy Spirit illuminates. I heard another teacher say, uh, as it were, uh, God's face to us. We want to increasingly live face to face until a new day comes for us. A new body is given to us and then we live face to face. But the Holy Spirit increasingly illuminates God's face to us. The Holy Spirit puts in our mouths a confidence with God. 
Abba, Father, is made possible by the working of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit plants the very reality of heaven in our hearts. All of these things are are very much a helpful teaching example of the work of the Spirit in our life. I want to add to these a couple of understandings and lessons that true that are true spiritually. That when you walk out of this service today and you continue on with your life, you have a handle uh, of understanding as it were. I want to put handles on your your luggage. Have you ever tried to carry a suitcase with a broken handle? Uh, it is very, very difficult to do. Um, I want to put handles on your luggage, and I want to put wheels on your luggage if I can. You know, I know we're supposed to be smart, smart as, as, as uh, uh, a species, but it took us 10,000 years to put wheels on our luggage, so how smart can we really be? <laughs> Um, I want to put handles on your luggage, and I want to put wheels on your luggage. Wheels uh, are the second-order derivative of blessing if you have a handle. If you don't have a handle, wheels aren't as nearly as useful. But if you can put handles and wheels on your luggage, honey, you can carry a lot of junk with you. And so let me talk about handles here for a moment. Last week we talked about symbols. Remember, symbols is God giving us an education. Signs is God giving us a testimony. You see how I'll put a handle on your luggage? Uh, So we talked about uh, the five symbols of biblical teaching on the Holy Spirit, and we used a mimnotic that uh, Sister Karen came up with, and that was, oh, Father, what would you do? Oil, fire, wind, water, and the dove. That is uh, the memory aid to carry it with you. So I want to continue this, and I want to talk about two understandings of the Holy Spirit in our life, two understandings, everything will in some way be grouped in these two understandings. On one is an understanding of a demonstration. On the other is the understanding of transformation. I want you to say those with me. We have demonstration and we have transformation. One more time. Help me a little bit better than that. We have demonstration and we have transformation. This teaching, this understanding goes all the way back to the Old Testament witness. It is even there where you have demonstration and you have transformation. If you want to understand the day of Pentecost, 50 days after resurrection, 50 days after the Lord Jesus Christ has uh, been brought out of the grave. If you want to understand that, uh, before you understand day of Pentecost, it would be very helpful for you to understand Passover. Because Passover is the same day, it's just a different type of celebration. Same weekend, same day, Pentecost equals Passover. Passover equals Pentecost. 
Pentecost equals Passover. Passover equals Pentecost. The first Passover does not happen. The weekend Jesus Christ is crucified and resurrected. Passover begins, it's celebrated then, but it begins many years before when the house of Israel is living in bondage under their Egyptian overlords. And uh, Passover is a story of freedom. I don't know who's hearing me today, but whatever you're facing, uh, there is a hope of spiritual freedom for you. Jesus Christ can make everything new. Am I preaching to anybody here today who is a personal testimony of deliverance? Is there any deliverance testimony in the house? Come on, I need somebody who has a testimony of deliverance to lift your hands right now, lift your voice, and give God a shout of praise for deliverance in this house. God, I praise you for your work of deliverance. Amen. God bless you. Uh, deliverance is necessary to understand Passover. They have a lamb. The lamb is offered as a cover for their sins. Uh, this innocence for my transgression. It is a symbol, and symbols are to what? Teach us something. It is a symbol. We see the lamb. They take the blood of sacrifice. They put it over the doorposts. And now you can read that the Bible tells them that this is the step. This is the day. And I don't have time to get into the story, but you can read this passage. You will become my people. You will become my, and the word nation is used. Everything changes from this moment, this moment onward. It is Passover. It is the same as Pentecost in the fact that it is teaching. Uh, before God can inhabit you, he needs to set you free. Before you can be the tabernacle of the Spirit, he has to set you free. And so first there is this great demonstration of God's power. What happens in the story? There is demonstration after demonstration. Demonstration after demonstration. Uh, there is a whole Bible study here. I don't have time today, but I will not forget it. And I've preached it before. I will preach it again. We have to understand the power and the importance of demonstration. They who were not a people, they have become a people. They who were a culture of slaves have become a nation of promise. Demonstration, demonstration, demonstration. They are weak. What do they need? Demonstration. They can't fight. What are they given? Somebody say it with me. Demonstration. The demonstration comes in the form of uh, uh, plagues. It comes in the forms of uh, demonst uh, miracle, demonstrated miracle. This is that their testimony might be changed. Their faith may rise. Before God does something through you, he has to do something in you. You will never find your place of burden, your, or let me say, say purpose, you will never find the fulfillment of your burden if you are still fighting the cultural mentality of enslavement, if you are fighting the fear mentality of the oppressed, if you are living with the emotional reality of the victim, you must be changed into a heart of hope from a heart of despair. Some of us have not yet had that happen, and we wonder why we continually are needing demonstration in our life because we have never got to transformation and we need God to show us again and again and again that he is with us. 
Maturity comes where you live in the faith of God with you. You're not always bribing God for a reassurance that he is with you. Demonstration, transformation. Uh, let me, before I, I want to talk about these in reverse order. Um, because I want you to understand this first. And I want you having to understand it to then seek something from God. I want you to understand that first comes a demonstration of God's power. And then comes the, demon, the transformation of God's people. Say it with me. I repeat myself purposefully. First comes a demonstration of God's power. Then comes the transformation of God's people. Transformation is hard because it's real lived practical demonstration. It's practical demonstration. It's not miracle demonstration. It's practical demonstration. We call it transformation. I used to be this kind of person. Now I've been changed by the power of God. Do I have a witness in this house? I used to live this way, but I've been changed by the power of God. Can I have a better amen than that? I wonder if anybody is living a hope of spiritual transformation. I wonder how many people here who have a personal testimony. I'm not who I used to be. Raise your hand as a witness to God. I'm not who I used to be. I've been changed. But transformation is the hard work of spiritual becoming. It is not just hard. It's stinking hard. It's daily hard. It's the kind of hard that doesn't get easier. It just moves. <laughs> the weight keeps going up. The reps keep climbing. And if you are not motivated by love, you will find a cop-out, which will be a form of artificial change, not the real heart work of spiritual change. What you'll want is a form of godliness. You'll want a symbol of godliness. You don't want to keep doing the hard work of spiritual becoming. And it's not just you. It's the whole story of humanity. That's why that, anyway, let me move along. Um, so uh, nine fruit of the Spirit speak to spiritual transformation, not miraculous demonstration. They refer to how God has changed you, not how God is powerful and mighty. We're not very excited about that. No one runs the aisles when we talk about the hard work of spiritual transformation. What we want is the entertainment of demonstration. Don't feel too bad. That's the story of all humanity. Those who followed Christ asked for miracle after miracle. They would never had enough. Don't fall into the habit of needing God to show out for you every time you come to church because you will become a black hole of need. And then reassured by demonstration, you won't have any motivation to become. That's why some people can never change their inner world. They still have morality problems. They still have sin problems. They still have flesh problems as long as they can come on Sunday and get that feeling. Don't become a black hole where you're a dead sea and you always need another demonstration of God. You should be able to get the same touch in a prayer meeting. You get it when the choir sings. Why? Are you still a babe on mother's milk? You should be able to go to a church and you're the only person saying amen and it's okay. Why? Because you made up your mind a long time ago. Oh, praise God, somebody. I wish I had a better witness than that in this house. Somebody who's made up your mind, would you stand with me in this house? Would you lift your hands and say, I've made up my mind. Yeah. 
You may be seated. Nine fruit of the Spirit. They are not about miraculous demonstration. They are about testimonial transformation. It's not what the, hear me, Holy Spirit does for you. It's what the Holy Spirit does in you, through you, with you. In other words, if you don't participate, honey, it ain't happen. It ain't happening. You're going to need an artificial holiness because the hard work of becoming is exhausting. So love, joy, peace. Let me give you a memory trick. There's nine fruit of the Spirit. The first three have one syllable. Love, joy, peace. Love, joy, peace. The next three have two syllables. Patience, kindness, goodness. See three sets of three? And the last three has three syllables. Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. No one runs the aisle on that, do they? No one's excited about that. No one wants to come back and hear that preach. Faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Some of you need to learn how to say that to that ugly person that rises up inside of you. And you say, no, 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 no. Faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. My God, that's some fine preaching. Elbow your neighbor. Say, I think he's preaching a little better than you're saying amen. So these are, this is, this is not demonstration of miraculous power. This is transformation. <clears throat> this is fruit, not gifts. This is what the Holy Spirit does with you, in you, through you. Um, the demonstration of God is much more fun. And let me give you some examples. In your weakness, the weaker you are, the more you need demonstration. But it's not your purpose. It's your place. It's where you are in your journey. So the, the, the children of Israel have nothing to do with their being set free. They just stand by and watch. The closest thing they have to do is to make a sacrifice. That's the Passover, the first Passover, okay? That's, all that, that's basically all they have to do. God shows up. God shows up. God shows up. God does it. God bless. They can shout. He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. They can dance. They can have a wonderful time together. God's doing it all. And uh, demonstration continues. They go out of Egypt, and they are now in a wilderness experience. And what do they have in a wilderness experience? Continued demonstration. Continued demonstration. The demonstration does not end until it's time for them to enter the promised land and become the nation who God say they could be. And he would not do for them that work. He would simply tell them, I'm with you. You are able. Amen. Do y'all see what's happening here? The difference between demonstration and transformation. And so what happens for them in the wilderness? They have continued ongoing demonstration of God's power. <clears throat> there is a cloud by day that says, this way, darling, this way. Not that way, this way. 
<clears throat> demonstration. They are weak. They have not had their hearts transformed. They have not learned how to become. They're still stuck on you do it, Lord Jesus. God help us. Some of us are still stuck on you do it, Lord Jesus. They have not become. They have no testimony. They simply are able to celebrate God's testimony. They have no final product of God's plan manifest in their life. What they have is only give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. They have a complaining relationship with God. And so every day, what do they have and what do they need? Demonstration. Every day, what do they have and what do they need? Demonstration. And during the day, it's a cloud that leads. And at night, what is it? It's a fire that burns. It's a pillar of fire. They need demonstration, demonstration. There's no transformation. They need demonstration. Okay, so stay with me. And so here, this transformation fails in them, which is signified by the fact that standing upon the promised land at the very banks of Chile, Jordan, as the old timer said, uh, they need to cross over and God will not demonstrate for them. He will only say, I am with you. You do it. You're able to do it. And they are unable to live out the transformation because something in them is still dependent on God doing everything. It's almost as though once you get a dependency of you do it all, I have nothing involved, shifting gears is very, very challenging. And it's so bad that they will fail to enter and a whole generation will have to die in the wilderness because although they loved a demonstration, they could not live out transformation. Now, um, let me talk about some demonstration. I don't want you to take away the idea that because you have begun the process of being changed by the power of God, you have to give up demonstration. That's not how it works. Miracles do not end at the entry to the promised land. They just begin to change in their timing and in their display. Now they are representing God's moving among the people at specific times. The people are not dependent on a daily reminder of God's power. Now the Lord, having brought them to a promised land, still uses demonstration, but it is a lesson we cannot miss in the Exodus of them overly dependent on demonstration and not willing or even rebellious to live out transformation. We can be those kind of Christians. Let me just pause here for a moment and preach to some church people. We can be those kind of Christians where we come to church with a complaining spirit, not a worshiping spirit. We look around at the service as a substitute for the power of God. That's why so many church cultures get to depend on whatever style of music they have as a substitute for a move of God. I don't have time to explain this, but if you don't get it, I'm talking to the blind person, so let's just move along here. They will use some form of worship as a substitute for the real miraculous move of God. The New Testament church didn't have music like we do. They couldn't depend on getting the beat just right. They couldn't depend on that song that really moves people. Uh, that is not a substitute for the move of God. God can move in a hobo camp. I don't, no disrespect to hobos. I'm just saying, our God does not need, I, I love our music. I grew up with that. 
Get your mind on Jesus. Get your mind on Jesus. And if there were no sinners there, we did it anyway. If it was Wednesday night, we did it anyway. And I grew up, get this unexploded idea that, well, at least we did that. That's not the same thing as someone receiving a miracle in a service. Oftentimes, I've seen miracles happen in silence. I've seen miracles happen in the wait. I am not against demonstration. The problem is very, very few churches have a problem celebrating demonstration. The challenge for us is to celebrate transformation. But this is what God wants you to do. Your next miracle is after you've taken a step toward transformation. And if I was a good preacher, y'all would be running around this place. This is what I want you to see. Do miracles stop when they enter the city? Somebody say nay. Somebody say yet. Thank you. Miracles continue, but now they're in a cooperative style of effort. They stand before the walls of Jericho. Are the, is the demonstration going to stop? Somebody say no. Demonstration's not going to stop. But now it is different. I want you to march around the walls every day for seven days. And on the, is it seven or three? I'm having a seven. And on the seventh day, I want you to march around seven times and give God a shout of triumph and walls fall flat. So uh, if we are unwilling to transform, the demonstration will end. Hear me. And we'll have to have an artificial demonstration which if you're in a worship culture church will usually be a favorite form of worship. Oh, that is a move of God. Well, maybe. You see what I'm saying? The miracle gets where as I am becoming, God continues demonstrating. But if I stop becoming, it's like the miracle is on the other side of Jordan. The miracle's not on this side of Jordan. Oh, my goodness, my goodness, my goodness. I want to see the demonstration of the power of God. Let me tell you a story. How am I doing on time? I need to be done in 10 minutes. Um, musicians, if you would come up in five minutes, no matter where I'm at. Uh, in Azusa Street, one of the great miracles that happened that broke open the revival of, of Azusa, there was a woman who came to a meeting, and she looked like a skeleton. Uh, she had walked two miles from her home to Azusa Street. It took her three hours to walk there. She took literally a baby step at a time. She finally got there. She came in, and she met another woman uh, who was there named Laura, and she asked Laura to pray for her, and Laura prayed for her, and she had an instantaneous miracle that happened for her. Um, she had a profound change that included uh, her lungs, and also she gained a surprising amount of weight over one weekend that almost was like a miracle. She could not believe it, and so she went to the doctor. This is one of the stories about how the Razusa Street Revival kicked off to international uh, attention. Uh, she went to her doctor. Let me just say this. You shouldn't be afraid of going to your doctor um, because if it's a miracle, God will not be intimidated by the doctor confirming what you already know. The Bible says every good and perfect gift came it down from the Lord. Who do you think gave us the ability to learn what medical knowledge we have? 
It's all the gift of God. Don't be afraid. God will still do what God can do, and that'll always happen at the realm of the doctor not being able to. Um, and so she goes to her doctor, and he cannot believe it. He had seen her. He had seen her before she went, and she had gained all this weight over one weekend. She was breathing. She was strong. He could not. It blew his mind. And he said, this cannot be real. This cannot be real. I want to go to this, this, this revival meeting too. So she came the next uh, service and brought her doctor with her. He was her medical testimony. She came and brought her doctor, and he had, uh, it just blew his mind to see the miracles. He received the gift of the Holy Ghost in that time, and eventually he would open um, a a nonprofit called Wings of Healing, if I remember right, that served people and prayed for them to be healed. Uh, That was part of the breakthrough. Every city can have a divine breakthrough that brings international revival. Lord Jesus, I don't know what that is here, but if there's anything we can do to increase our chances of seeing that, we pray for the demonstrated power of God. Miraculous events can precede spiritual awakening. But remember, the the miraculous is not God reassuring you because you're weak. It's God meeting you on the other side of your faith. It changes. It's no longer God just showing out for you. Oh, I went to church and God showed out. Uh, okay, was any did it did it stand there? Did y'all enjoy dinner afterwards? There has to be a purpose to this. The miracle changes. It's no longer to reassure us, but it's on the other side of our faith. It's on the other side of Jordan. This is how demonstration and transformation work. If I want demonstration, demonstration, it's no longer on this side of change. It's on the other side of change. It's on the other side of me praying more. It's on the other side of me living right. It's on the other side of me changing lifestyle choices. It's on the other side. We had a a notable miracle Thursday. Um, I don't know if you know my father's lung situation, but he's been barely able to speak. Uh, Hasn't been able to be off oxygen. His brothers uh, came in town to be with him. Uh, He was sitting Thursday morning after having been unable to speak, unable to stop coughing. Um, uh, He realized that he had been speaking for over 30 minutes uh, without any oxygen, and he had, had forgot to turn it on. No oxygen. And he had been talking without coughing. And all day Saturday, he praised and worshiped the Lord, celebrating the miracle that... He went, you guys who know how this works, went from four or five milliliters of oxygen to no oxygen. And uh, I, he's still, you know, he's still an 80-year-old man. I, I'm not trying to, uh, if he shows up here with oxygen, don't think, don't think in doubt. I'm talking about as a demonstration, a sign of strength, a sign of God demonstrating what God can do. Did, did you understand there? Hopefully you have a surety to understand that. Um, God has, 2 Timothy 1 and 7, God gave us a spirit not of fear but of power and love and self-control. Power and love and self-control. Lots of Christians I have known want the power, but they struggle to have love for people they don't like, and self-control is a pipe dream. They want the power, so what do they do? They substitute an artificial demonstration. And so, uh, therefore, the, Timothy continues, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Matthew nineteen twenty six. Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Luke 24 and 49, I hope these scriptures 
scriptures are beginning to, to get into your spirit. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Acts 1, verse number 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the world. What did that power entail? It entailed uh, demonstration of God. It entailed the miraculous. Uh, the New Testament church was founded with the miraculous. But it is not the Maybe he's a prophet, maybe he's not. We'll let the Lord decide, and he'll teach to do it this way. And you'll go to another guy or uh, gal, and, and, and maybe maybe a prophet, I'll leave that to God, and they'll teach to do it this way. And, and you go to one school of the prophets, and it's this way. You go to another school of the prophets. Uh, here is the thing. Um, it's almost as though God reserves demonstration for himself. We don't get to command God. He doesn't serve us, but we serve him. Uh, it's almost as though God commands uh, that or reserves that demonstration uh, for himself. I want to say for all of us, Lord Jesus, that however you demonstrate among us, we hunger deeply for the revival-giving demonstration of your power. Uh, so remember this, demonstration is uh, one big piece of the Holy Spirit, and transformation is another big piece of the Holy Spirit. They seem separate, but they are not. They are linked in a journey of personal becoming. And so we have to not just seek uh, the miraculous. We all also have to live a life of spiritual becoming, fasting and prayer, that we might continue to see the demonstrated power of God. Because there will never be a moment where we own his power. That's not how demonstration works. But there is continual a becoming and a desiring. The miracle that is available for you is on the other side of Jordan. It's not the end of demonstration. It is the end of a transformation-less demonstra uh, demonstration. A point where God says, all right, I have done and I have done and I have done and now I want you to respond. So I am challenging all of you very quickly with uh, this knowledge, if you'll embrace and receive this knowledge. Uh, your next miracle may be on the other side of a change God wants to see in your life. It's not about earning it. It's about partnering with God and becoming. What is the path of faithful challenge in your life? What is the city of Jericho he's invited you to go take? What is the challenge he has told you you are well able to attain? It's on the other side. The miraculous is there. It's there. <laughs> it's there. So I want to inspire all of you and your heart to take a step across the river of fear <laughs> into a land of promise. That's where the next demonstration of God is. Transformation feels like work. Demonstration feels like worship. They're connected. They are linked. The demonstration given on the day of Pentecost was threefold. Fire, wind, and tongues. Fire, wind, and tongues. Uh, the fire was symbolic. Uh, the wind was symbolic. But the tongues were 
This is the continuing that we see in the scripture. What continues? Not the fire and the wind. That does not continue. That's a teaching symbol. What continues? Look at Acts 19. Tongues continues. The continuing demonstration of God in you and with you is tongues. Why tongues? I could do a whole Bible study on this, but let me just very quickly give you a handful of reasons. Uh, we are filled with the Holy Spirit and given tongues as testimony. Testimony. We speak with tongues as the Spirit speaks through us. The Bible calls that utterance. This experience transforms our confidence in God. It transforms our confidence with God. Did God change after the giving of the Holy Spirit? No, God didn't change. What changed? The confidence of the disciples. And so one of the reasons why I encourage people to be open to tongues in their life is because you need a testimony. Remember, uh, testimony is for you to speak to your doubts and your fears. And when you have a testimony, something profound can be changed in your life. And so I'm praying that all of us in this house would be filled with the Holy Spirit and we would speak in a heavenly language as part of our following the Lord Jesus Christ. We would each in individually have a testimony of real surrender where no longer we are speaking, but we begin to speak a heavenly language. Why? I'll tell you why. We don't understand a lot of the burdens that we carry and the spirit can pray for us once we have a breakthrough to, to tongues. This is why you need to step into tongues. We fight battles. We don't understand. We don't even know how to pray. But once you surrender to tongues, the spirit can pray through you. This is why I want you to get comfortable with tongues. You don't, there's the knowledge you need to know that is not going to come through your own cleverness. The Spirit can make intercession for you. You need to have a breakthrough into tongues. Uh, and finally, here's another one. Um, the Bible says speaking in tongues edifies the speaker. Sometimes I don't know. I am down, and I don't know why. Uh, I know that's crazy. None of y'all ever deal with that. I know you're looking at me right now, particularly these beautiful teenage girls. Like, he would, I don't understand why that preacher would ever be down. I've never been down. That's what you're thinking. Um, uh, teenagers don't have those kind of emotions. This is what I want to say. Sometimes I'm down, and I don't know why. Sometimes I'm angry and ugly and I'm borderline bitter, or at least bitter in short bursts. Let's put it that way. I don't let myself live there. My mom and daddy taught me better than that. You, but bitterness is a choice you make. Don't blame other people after a couple of days. After a couple of days, it's you sucking your thumb. All right, talking, real talk. Stand with me across the house. I'm down and I don't know how to encourage myself. Tongues. Once I get comfortable with the tongues, the Spirit can pray through me and I am edified. I'm encouraged. I am blessed. I want every strong believer. Tongues is not the beginning of believing. It's not. Believing is way before that. Tongues is not the beginning of the Spirit working on you. That's way before that. Tongue is a gift. A tongue is a gift you tarry for. You've already been following. You've already seen the work of God. Tongues is the gift you tarry for, do you see? But I want you, think at the disadvantage you are at. If when you don't know how to pray, you aren't comfortable letting tongues speak in you and through you. Lord Jesus, I pray that we would be a people that your spirit could minister through, oh God.
I pray that we as a church would be comfortable with the moving of the outpouring of the Spirit of God among us in Jesus' name, according to your will, according to your power. We bless you. We bless you. Uh, how many of you, as a personal testimony, you say, I, not, I don't just agree with you, preacher. My life is a testimony of everything you've been saying. Raise your hand all across the house. Your life is a testimony of this. Thank you all. Thank you all. If there's anyone here and you have not ever experienced tongues, the first thing I want to do is I want to get you out of the woo-woo stage of it. And I want you to think in terms of submitting to a mysterious realm and world that you cannot understand. But you will surrender to the Holy Spirit within you. That's all tongues is, is a surrender within you to a realm that is not of the flesh. It's not the cleverness of mine. It's a surrender uh, to God. And if you have not received uh, tongues in your life, I want to encourage you. Uh, I want you to begin to seek it. How do I do that? Just ask for it. Just ask for it. And when you pray, allow yourself to be caught up and even lost in worship. The single easiest way to get comfortable with tongues in your life is to get lost in worship. How do I know that? Is it just my theory? No, the Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. Spirit is just his spirit inhabiting you. So when you get comfortable in praise and worship, it's a natural thing for you to begin to speak in a heavenly language. It's, 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 it'll feel more right than not doing so when you're caught up in praise and worship. If you've never gotten there, I want you to tell, I want to tell you this. We are the church <laughs> that is super comfortable with you getting lost in praise and worship. Is there anyone here today I could pray for before we go on with our day? Anyone here, you want to have your heart open to the demonstration of the Holy Spirit in your life? Just raise your hand. I'm going to ask you. I want to pray for you. Anyone? Anyone? Anywhere? Anyone? God bless you all. Now, I'd like us, let's all step out of this chair we're in. I'd like us to come down across the front. And I want to pray that the Holy Ghost would fill all of us anew and afresh. I want to pray that we would learn a, 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 a spiritual a comfort with praying in the Spirit praying under the utterance and unction of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to pray that everybody in the house be filled anew and afresh. If it's been too long since you've spoken in tongues, please, right now, uh, step out of where you are. Come down, stand across the front. We've got plenty of room down here. You don't have to be all up against somebody if you don't want to be. There's plenty of room down here. We, we leave a big prayer area intentionally. Is there someone here that you, you, you've been facing some battles that you'd like to put in your rearview mirror and you would like to have not just the demonstration of the Holy Ghost, but you'd like to have the transformation of the Holy Ghost in your life? Would you step out right now? Pray with me, church. Lord, we're asking that you would open the windows of heaven in our lives and we're asking that you would fill us to overflowing with the power of the Holy Ghost. We're asking that you would minister. Let us live with demonstration. And let us experience transformation. Let us live with... Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area... 
Come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us. Thank you.